Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we'll learn about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And a reminder, as always, if you enjoy us, uh, Subscribe, rate, and review. Recommend us to friends and virtual colleagues and whoever. <laughs> whoever. Yeah. Whoever you like. Yeah, so, really uh, so, before we get into this uh, week, we're going to be talking about our uh, <laughs> our COVID weirdnesses, our new, um, I wouldn't say quirks is the right word because it's a little darker than quirks, which is kind of like how we've noticed, noticed some uh, changes. Uh, <laughs> Just magic changes. Yeah. Magic, magic changes in ourselves. But first, we have to vent about the news, like I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Dr. Aaron yes. Dean Douglas. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't actually go to enough school to be a doctor, but not because I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an excellent segue. Um, Joseph Epstein. Mm-hmm. Wrote a little mm-hmm. penny pin, an opinion piece. Uh, he did. Um, that the Washington Street Journal thought would be a good idea to publish for some reason. Yeah. Wall Street um, Journal. Fucking really. Why are you, why are you doing that, WSJ? Yeah. He's, he's basically saying that Dr. Jill Biden shouldn't go by doctor. Um, it's fraudulent, he says, and a touch comic. Um, because if you don't have a medical, if you're not a medical doctor, you're not a doctor, is his whole like point. He also calls her kiddo, mm-hmm. um, like right out the gate. It's like one of the first things. It's like, hey, kiddo, should drop that doctor. <laughs> um, but she worked to get her doctorate degree, and not being a medical doctor doesn't um, mean you don't go by doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no one's confused. Like if I saw someone said something like if, you know, if Dr. Biden was on a plane and someone was asking for a doctor, like she's not going to go and try and perform certain, like they're different. Doctor can mean different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it actually originally meant teachers. So. It did before it meant, you know, medical doctor. It did mean a doc, like a more of in the PhD doctorate scholarly sense. His it is really, this is really an astoundingly uh, tone-deaf, misogynist piece of writing um, published by the Wall Street Journal. Um, the first sentence, I mean, the first paragraph is so awful. But to, to begin by saying, Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill, kiddo, a bit of advice. Like, uh, uh, oh, and then on what, what may seem like a small, but I think is not a, a, not an important matter. You really think with everything going on in the world in this moment, like this man took time out of his damn day to argue that Dr. Jill Biden should drop the doctor, should drop, drop the honorific. Uh, because 
it's a doctor of education. And he also went ahead and just shot all over her dissertation about student retention at the community college level and meeting students' needs. He said, uh, you're, he said that her dissertation had the, uh, that unpromising title. Like, I mean, oh man. Ugh. It's, it's gross. <laughs> There's just a lot going on and it's, it's, it's frustrating, and he rightly got so roundly criticized. Um, I also, as right before we uh, started recording, I noticed that apparently Northwestern, where this guy is a professor emeritus, has dropped him from all online mentions. So I, Bye. you know, I hope that that signals bad things for him, frankly, or at least pro- professional repercussions, because that was not. <sighs> You know, op-eds, the op-ed section of a lot of the major newspapers right now have have arguably been only like stirring shit. They haven't really been, a lot of arguments, like I I understand and I'm, I'm sensitive to newspapers feeling like they need to elevate different ideas, even some that are unpopular because they're more conservative. Fine, fine. That is, that is what opinions are for. Fine, fine, fine. But especially at this moment where we actually have um, hundreds of members of the GOP, for instance, in Congress actively writing to undermine the results of a free and fair election, one of the safest in the country or in in the country's history. We have, uh, you know, Texas suing Georgia, like suing other states just to discount all of their votes. We have so much going on in this country that is unprecedented, um, not to mention that we're in a pandemic. So that this guy has just lasered in on this just incredibly bad and unimportant and outdated take. And then he, he's condescending about community college and student meeting students' needs. Like, yeah. And it's also, she's still a, she's still a teacher. I mean, she is still going to work. She intends to continue. It's, it isn't even like she got a doctorate, never utilized it. Even then it would still be like, that's her honorific. She she earned it. (laughs) She earned it, but she's been actively teaching. So, and then, um, I think, I forget who, I think it was, um, Nicole Hannah Jones, maybe on Twitter made this point, um, that, it's interesting, you know, interesting being like a word that kind of covers all, all manner of sin that Republicans are frequently so anti-intellectual. And then the second that there's someone like Dr. Jill Biden, whose dissertation was actually on community college retention, mm-hmm. that's, that's not an important thing. And like, just is, if they're so willing to just discard it it's it's there's just so much going on but yeah that was offensive as fuck (laughs) incredibly offensive off base and just ridiculous like crawl back into whatever hole you crawled out of to uh to write that op-ed dude like yeah oh and just to mention too that um apparently the uh the guy who publishes, he's the person in charge of op-eds at the Wall Street Journal, um, is 
someone who has called efforts to stop military rape um, a, quote, war on men and, quote, an effort to criminalize male sexuality. Um, He's called feminism a, quote, totalitarian mindset and said that, quote, the nastiness of contemporary feminism is an indication of of its intellectual weakness. Um, He also, this is coming from Jessica Valenti, who um, has... um, has a whole thread on this man, um, James Tarantino, or Toronto. Um, He also bemoaned that, quote, women can have sex without the fear of pregnancy just like men can. So there's a lot. um, He seems like, uh, he said that feminists didn't like Sarah Palin because she's, quote, a threat to their sexual identity. Um, I mean, I definitely sexually identify as, like, the opposite of Sarah Palin. <laughs> I don't feel like, I mean, she's a threat, but just a threat to like, I don't know, intellect in general. Yeah, she's kind of say. like Trumpism before Trumpism. She was like the gateway drug. Anyway, it was, it, you know, these, these, these people, these people, this is just another, I'm glad that he's getting the um, uh, aberration. I think that, that, or the program that he deserves for this. Yeah. And then one, one thing I want to bring up about Joseph Epstein, um, because he hates it being brought up is that in the (laughs) early seventies, he wrote some really fucked up essays. He used the N word repeatedly and he really went against gay people. He described people who weren't straight as cursed, Mm -hmm. said he meant it literally. And that the worst thing, any of his son or the thing that would make him sadder than anything else of, was would be if like any of his sons were gay wow um yeah so he yeah he said lgbtq people were afflicted without apparent cure shit like that um so just i throw that throw that out there it was yeah. a long time ago but that's some whoo yeah that's, he's got some issues <laughs> he has some issues i'm glad that you um brought that up yeah. yeah. He doesn't like that being brought up. So I decided to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to add to the yeah. uh, context, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we, we love uh, Dr. Jill Biden. And yeah, I like when I read what her dissertation was, I was like, that's amazing. That's, we need more of that. Yeah. It's okay. also apparently like I, this was brought up a bunch on Twitter too, is that, um, a lot of women have to work a lot harder to be recognized uh, with their honorific. Um, so even though it's, it's hard earned a lot of the time, it's just totally dropped from their title or dropped from the way that they are recognized. And a lot of women are embarrassed to kind of insist on it or to, to politely, you know, have their, their, um, earned degree acknowledged. Um, and I think that if anything positive has come from this, uh, it's that a lot of women, at least on Twitter, were like, oh, you know what? I'm putting Dr. So-and-so into my bio because that's what I am. And um, I think that um, Chasen Buttigieg had like started a a fund to uh, to start fundraising for one of um, for the school where Jill Biden teaches, where doc- Dr. Biden teaches, <laughs> um, and I believe they've raised yeah they've raised almost fifty thousand dollars for the Community College Education Foundation where Dr. Biden teaches. So um, that's only that's fifty thousand almost just in the last twenty four hours. Um, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then do you want to 
scurry into the Proud Boys. Yeah. They've been up to. Yeah. What have they been up to? They're mad. Um, they've done some beyond uh, fucked up things, um, mainly in the, uh, some demonstrations that they had on Saturday. And to be clear, I'm not saying people shouldn't be allowed to protest, obviously, but at least from two historic black churches, they tore down and burned Black Lives Matter banners, mm-hmm. um, which is awful. And the reverend of one of the churches said, it pained me, especially to see our name in flames. For me, it was reminiscent of cross burnings. Um, which, you know, for obvious reason. And so they, they were doing that. There's also, we see that there's been some violence. There's um, video of them, of some of the Proud Boys punching a Democratic get-out-the-vote mm. person supporter in the face, tearing up his off-off and Warnock signs. Um, there were even police as witnesses who say that this happened. So... Mm-hmm. Even they're saying it. Um, and one thing I thought was interesting is that there were um, clashes even breaking out between police and the Proud Boys. So it seems like, and the Proud Boys were speaking out against not just CNN, but also Fox News. So it seems like this, it really is like a new faction mm-hmm. kind of uh, forming where, because before, you know, they were they were down with Fox News, they were down with all that shit, but it seems like this, this branch is getting more dangerous, more hateful, more concentrated, mm-hmm. um, which is quite scary. There were four people who were stabbed. There aren't details released on who was stopped. It was near a a Proud Boys bar hangout. Um, And there's a video of Proud Boy um, shooting a counter-protester, I believe is currently in critical position uh, condition. Um, Mm -hmm. Here in Washington state, there was a threat against the Spokane democratic party Mm. um, office. Saw that. Like a bomb threat. A bomb threat. Burned it. (laughs) They they set fire to it. So, um, If you live in Washington or near Spokane, they're accepting donations. Uh, oh, they actually did bomb the... They didn't bomb it, but they they set fire to it. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's interesting. There's uh, so we, there's been a shooting. There's been stabbings. There have been... And uh, normally, yeah, yes, property destruction is not violence, but when you are burning Black Lives Matter signs, um, that's a different kind of thing, you know, akin to yeah. when you burn a cross, you're not just, you're not just destroying a, a piece of property, you are sending a message. And oftentimes these types of acts are linked with actual violence. Um, yeah. And it is a form of, you know, of, of violence to be to be doing this and, you know, the effect it has to have on people of color around these communities and across the country seeing this. Um, it's, it's awful. The, the Proud Boys are out and about and they are causing some fucking mayhem because, of course, they were upset that the Supreme Court rejected the bid to overturn their election results and Trump's latest legal challenge. So They are really, um, hopefully in the Biden administration, Um, they will go ahead and the FBI and law enforcement will determine um, and categorize them as a domestic terror organization. Um, I don't think that when they organize, they're organizing ever for anything peaceful or reasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, They, the videos that have come out, 
the language that they use, the violence that they use, the sort of like thuggish power that they're employing um, and the like fake nationalism uh, really does echo something that feels like a 1930s Germany um, tone. Uh, And I think we need to speak about it in that way. I think that there's... uh, the fact that anti-Semitism is so prevalent, the fact that there, I think it, what was it? The Anne Frank Memorial in Boise, Idaho was Mm -hmm. destroyed. um, And they said something like, it was like, we are everywhere. Uh, That I find, I mean, it's very, it's chilling. It's, it's fucking terrifying. We have known people, you and I have known people who have been um, assaulted by um, proud boy, the proud boys. Um, and unprovoked, totally unprovoked. Um, and I think the three percenters is another hate group in Washington state. Um, because as soon as you leave, uh, Seattle, it gets pretty rural as we've talked about and pretty, uh, conservative. We noticed, um, we drove to, well, and I had that, we see you from Wenatchee where it was like, blessed are the peacemakers, which was the thin blue line police logo. But this was, um, on Thanksgiving weekend, there was uh, like a, a gathering of like pro Trump people, thin blue line people just in the middle of Leavenworth. We were going to get, we literally didn't get out of the car because it was too upset. It was, it was a little bit scary because there were, there was this Trump Trump situation going on and there were like people in camo and it's just like, ugh. and Leavenworth for people who don't know is like the middle, it's a central Washington. It's kind of like a little tourist destination. Um, but we were thinking like, oh, maybe it won't be super crowded. We could maybe like, I don't know, just we're getting, trying to get an ice scrub. But there were also, it, it was also like, inc- it was just incredibly crowded with people who weren't wearing masks and like just super conservative. And then when you look at where COVID, that COVID is the worst in Washington state, it's kind of that area. It's like these uh-huh. conservative areas. But I just, um, yeah, the, the, the Proud Boys are... It's it's really scary. They seem like, like this just like paramilitary terrorist group, and um, I think that it, when we think about free speech and like the role of free speech and in, in in society, I think uh, I think more and more about how free speech kind of needs to be paired with like real universal education, and like people need to be educated because otherwise what really, I mean, like, otherwise you can't have an effective marketplace of ideas where hate is like, where hate sinks to the bottom of the pile. Yeah. It's like, we don't, we should have a consistent (laughs) history lessons in this country, not things that whitewash or kind of downplay certain things, kind of rewrite Mm -hmm. history, because then it's like, you have to unlearn that shit, which is a lot harder than just teaching children the truth. You had an Mm -hmm. age appropriate level um Mm -hmm. but of course we are once again hit with the issue of the truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) being seen by some people as like uh something false like a liberal agenda Mm -hmm. um it's like no it's not like it's again that situation where you have to you're arguing with people who can't agree with you on what the truth is so you're kind of left throwing your arms in the air and just hoping that you outnumber them but yeah we'll see hopefully with dr jill biden we'll uh have some great some great emphasis on education 
Hopefully. Dr. Jill. Dr. Jill. Dr. Doctor. Yeah. Put some respect on her name. Please and thank you. <laughs> um, oh, I guess the last little thing to note before we jump into our main topic is uh, just the... Ex- <laughs> Excitement. God, the bar's bar's low for exciting news. Um, but uh, in addition to vaccines starting to be distributed today, which is huge for COVID, Ooh. yay! Um, the Supreme Court did just put a total stomp down on the uh, AG of Texas, Ken Paxton's uh, lawsuit against. Uh, the four states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Um, They said it shouldn't be heard. And even if you read, I mean, if you did read, there's a little bit of confusion on whether or not um, Alito and Thomas were sort of dissenting from that decision, but it was only because they said they believe that any time that a state sues another state uh, or challenges another state, that it automatically has a right to be heard at the Supreme Court level, but they went out of their way to say that they weren't commenting or like had no opinion on whether or not the case had any validity or the, so it, it was, um, even from them, it was not like winking that they would have approved it um, or voted in, in favor of AG, the AG of Texas. So um, that was heartening and hopefully, I mean, I do try to, like we talked about last week, try to tune out some of these, uh, this ridiculousness coming from Trump, but he is fomenting, he's continuing to foment um, fear and anger where it shouldn't exist. The fact that he hasn't conceded, it's really, um, we should not uh, forget all these people who are um, indulging in this behavior from him at this point. It's unacceptable and undemocratic. Absolutely. And if you're someone who has someone proud boy asking your family or in your friend circle or somehow that you can talk to, have the awkward, awful conversations because, you know, people are more likely to listen to people that they know and trust than random keyboard warriors like myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's important to always, always speak up. It's, you know, it's kind of all we can do to some extent beyond the larger legal mechanisms that we have in place for when things get out of hand. But it's it's scary how pervasive it is. And, and it's I hope that it, it kind of gets quashed in the coming years, not it doesn't explode. Um, yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for our democracy. <laughs> yeah. Status update. <laughs> Fun. Maybe they should do it like the Domino's delivery tracker, so it's fun at least, you know. Oh Make yeah. A theme, even though they don't even have that anymore. Domino's. <laughs> they don't have. Wait, a theme? You could pick a theme. You used, yeah, back in the day, you used to be. This is important. You used to be able <laughs> to pick. So you'd order your Domino's pizza. Hashtag not sponsored. Um, <laughs> and you'd have a little pizza tracker that would tell you, you know, like order received in the works. You know, final check and out for delivery. And yeah. you had the option of different themes. Like there was one that was like, a, a, like romance novel essentially. Oh. Yeah, and it was like Whoa. shirtless man on the beach with some woman and. Yeah, they had all kinds what? of different ones, and it was okay. it was fun. This was a while ago. I don't remember this. Yeah, back when there was that really weird British dude who I who just kind of like stayed at my apartment for days. I couldn't get rid of him. We ordered a lot of Domino's, and they were still doing it then. Was this circa um, like 2013, 2014? 
Yeah, this was like after, uh, yeah, like a year or two after I moved to Seattle. Before okay. pre, yeah, pre. pre him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. That was a whole thing. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> Pizza Tracker used to have all these options. I haven't oh. ordered from them in a while. Last time I did, they did not have these options. So too bad too bad another another bad thing in this world taco bell doesn't have the potatoes anymore uh, oh, learning all sorts of new things new information yeah hot off the presses <laughs> okay shall we yeah weird covid habits pandemic weirdness life what are you um i mean broadly before i get into like specific things like i've always been an anxious person whoa surprise (laughs) and i've had bouts with serious depression from like i don't know preteen like age 12 throughout early mid 20s here and there um but it's been a couple years uh but I find in this uh, pandemic, I go through these just like emotional cycles where I'm always like, I'm chronically anxious, whatever. That's always happening. Um, and it'll flare up more at some times and be more acute, like right now, where it's like my palms are sweaty and I'm not hungry and I'm just like, ah! Mm-hmm. So I start a new job tomorrow, which I'd be anxious for anyway, but I think it's incredibly heightened because it's like, I haven't interacted with people in a really long time in person. I have only gotten weirder this past year. <laughs> Charlie's like, don't randomly break out into animal noises. I can't promise, but I'm going to try. Um, so like, the, I definitely am more sensitive to to acute anxiety now. And then in terms of the depression bit, it's not like I go into a full depression, but it's like, there'll be like a week or two weeks or a few days every, I don't even know how often, every couple months where it's just really dark and really hard and then just kind of come out of it back to whatever the baseline is of us just kind of existing mm-hmm. in the world right now. Um, and it's hard because it's like, I'm usually pretty in touch with how I'm feeling, but it's almost as if like my body is telling, like my brain is catching up with how I'm feeling sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which may just be kind of an impact of going into a version of survival mode. It's not like, you know, things are crazy intense, but I think your body just kind of tells you you're okay with something and you get used to something, but you're actually building up all this um, anxious energy or you know, missing all the things that you wish you could have and just kind of all the things that go into life right now Mm -hmm. have a a wearing effect that at least for me doesn't become totally apparent until I'm like, why am I, I just woke up crying. Why? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know? Mm -hmm. So it's this weird thing of, of not being able to kind of predict when things are going to strike, you know, mental, mental health things, which is Mm -hmm. fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So fun. So certainly fun. fun. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, one thing that has always been true to some degree, but so much worse is like my phone, like I like having my phone and I like communicating with people, but when I get into like with all the anxiety of the news and everything going on, it just feels like a thing I have to be responsible for. And something as simple as like responding to a text message is just like, I'll do it later, mm-hmm. you know, which is not a hard thing to do. It doesn't take up much time, but for whatever reason, it's one of those things that my brain now is just like too much, too much going on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, bizarre. Cause I'm also like an extrovert. So I do well when I talk to people, but 
It's mm-hmm. just like, sometimes I think your body and your mind are just like, shut everything else down. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, but, and there are more yeah. things, but that's, I'll get us started with those. Yeah. <laughs> or I dive into my other little weird things. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's a great place to start. Um, I also have had a lot of anxiety. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, definitely since I was at least 15, um, probably is when the earliest like documented anxious behaviors started. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, wasn't sure whether or not I would actually just mention this, but yeah, my, my anxiety is actually, uh, trichotillomania is like what it clinically is, which is sounds so scary and gross and awful, but it's basically hair pulling. And, um, for me, it happens with my, um, eyelashes and my eyebrows. Um, and yeah, it started when I was 15, never got a handle on it until last year, early, I guess actually, no, it was early 2019. So almost two years ago when you suggested, cause I kind of like, as I think with a lot of people with like things that are really deeply personal and stressful and shameful, which I totally associate this thing, this anxiety is associated with shame for me deeply. Um, we don't want to really actually look up anything that has to do with it. Like anytime I have Googled trichotillomania, it's like, clear that the internet doesn't really know it's some ver- it's like on the spectrum of OCD it's also like the m- more mild side of like self-harm because you're pulling and it's like releasing a hurt but it feels good it's like I don't know so that's about as much as they know they don't there's like no way to sort of deal with it aside from cognitive behavioral therapy, which I have a really hard time with. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's, and so anyway, haven't that, that never worked. Um, but I am in therapy, but it's just like not anyway. So, and before the pandemic, I had gotten microblading. Um, and it was so interesting. I got the first round, as you know, and um, which is like essentially sort of like a semi-permanent tattoo um, for your eyebrows, but it doesn't, it looks really natural when it's finished. And um, because I had to like not touch that area because it was so sensitive and like it, for about a month, you really, really can't touch it. You can't get it wet. It's sort of a whole thing. The hair on my eyebrows started like growing back. Um, yeah. And it was really exciting. So I didn't end up getting a second round of like the microblading. And it was like a really exciting thing. And basically like as the pandemic sort of kicked off, it just like got really bad again. Um, And so it's sort of like all that progress is gone there. Um, It's like completely gone. Um, So I'm going to have to like go back and get more. And it's just sad. Like it's a, it's like a, definitely a way to measure like what, um, you know, what has been totally out of control, at least for me. And I know a lot of people have, you know, I I get so frustrated because I really wish that my anxiety, (laughs) we can't really pick what our things are or how they manifest, but I just wish mine didn't manifest like on my face in this way. Um, and I, I've covered, as you know, I cover it up with like bangs and, um, other stuff, but 
it's just been a really kind of frustrating thing this year just to know that it's just been really hard to get that piece of anxiety under control. And um, so it manifests in that way, but it's definitely, uh, I just don't have a lot occupying my mind that's productive. <laughs> it's like, there's a, I, I'm happy to have a job, which we've, we, I think we sort of touched on this last week, like very um, lucky to have a job. Um but it's not one that really uses, like, I have to use much of my brain um, or any, like, critical thinking skills. Uh, and that's, that's hard because then all of any, any potential brain power that I have just goes towards, like, stressing about the pandemic, thinking about mortality, wondering if, like, that weird twitch is, like, some sort of, like... Um, uh, disease, you know, um, I, I went to the dentist this past week and they said, oh, your, your blood pressure is like a little lower than we'd like, you know, it's a little low. And I was kind of like, and then that just sent me like spiraling. Like, what does that mean? You know, it's like probably I hadn't eaten and, you know, it was early in the morning and I don't know, like it wasn't just pieces of information siloed are, not really helpful for me right now. And I take things that I read online and then just obsess about them for no, and to no actual utility. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to obsess over things that are happening because it's like, on one hand, it's like, oh, I want, I like the idea of unplugging and not worrying about things. But on the other hand, it's like, you have to know what's going on in the world. And then there's also this thing where it's like, you're watching this dramatic TV show, but in reality, the TV show is your life and the things that are happening around you like impact you directly and your loved ones. So it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's hard to process. It's easy to, to go down these rabbit holes on the internet of, you know, you have one piece of information about something and then just, you know, going full fury ahead. And, um, it's, it's very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this, I've, one thing that I do, um, is I pick things <laughs> like I pick, um, like ingrown hairs or, um, little pretty much ingrown hairs. And I haven't, I did it in high school and, um, there was like a whole year where I didn't wear shorts cause it, I, my legs were just scarred, covered in mm. scars and SoCal, um, and I've been doing that again, <laughs> which I do my legs because it's like, I, it's, you can cover it up, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, so it's not something that impacts me to the level that you're, I can't pronounce trichotillomania. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> trichotillomania. <laughs> but I understand the kind of just like, I am just doing this right now. I'm just fucking doing it. I'm going to mm-hmm. stop after this one. No, I'm not. I'm going to keep fucking doing it. And there's this weird satisfaction. And the moment you're done, you're like, fuck. Yeah. You know, now I've, I've got all this <laughs> evidence and this isn't what I wanted. And, you know, but I think yeah. for you, without trying to dismiss anything, I think that you know that you can, you have shown yourself that you can not do it, you know, for the first time in a long time. So I hope that you are still proud of that and that you know that you can get back to it. And you're beautiful. I see you right now on the Zoom. People can't, but I can. (laughs) 
Uh, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's hard when some like this unprecedented pandemic happens and then anxieties and sort of mental health issues that we've had that everyone's had before just kind of rear their ugly heads. Um, things we thought we've dealt with or, you know, new things emerge and it's it's like, I don't know when, when things will get back to normal, if they'll get back to normal, what normal is going to look like. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing, it doesn't make me feel better, but it is, you know, when you're feeling, when I'm feeling lonely or kind of isolated, it's like we all, all of us who are following the rules anyway, are feeling some version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one day we'll all be out in the world mm-hmm. together, seeing our family and our friends, hopefully. And um, but in the meantime, it's just it's so it's hard. It's it's I think it's more than we can consciously process. And so we, we start to do these things again and we start to kind of lean into these habits and mm-hmm. it's tricky. Like I my sleeping hours have gotten really weird like great like grandma style I usually fall asleep usually by 9 p.m sometimes earlier and then mm-hmm. I'm up by like five or six I'm just mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm like I'm up oh, man. <laughs> I'm up with anxiety um and like before that there was a bit of insomnia and now I'm in this cycle and I've definitely been smoking a lot of weed not like throughout the day or anything but like mm-hmm. almost every night and I've just sort of like accepted that mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like you know I'm not like drinking to excess I'm not like high all day mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that like quiets my anxiety for a minute mm-hmm. doesn't get in the way of other things but it is something where I'm like mm, that's probably gonna have to <laughs> come back uh, sooner rather than later but <sighs> it's and that's something where as before like pandemic it's like yeah, I smoked weed like a couple times a week or a few times a month but like mm-hmm. it's just and it's like I made a conscious choice like all right I'm not going to drink much mm-hmm. during this but mm-hmm. on the flip side it's like but you gonna smoke a lot of weed now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gonna be magical <laughs> yeah I mean but, if the- yeah. yeah it's it's what you need to kind of it's a coping it is strategy like probably if I had a therapist I'd probably have a prescription for something honestly mm-hmm. um so and then I mean also with like the you know my husband and I thinking about getting pregnant well I would be getting pregnant soon we mm-hmm. would not be getting pregnant <laughs> uh, he, he's not a seahorse <laughs> but it's also just like oh wow then I'll have like I won't be soaking any weed and I won't be you know I can't have like a drink if I want and I can't. And then there's also the, all the shit that comes with fear around having a child yeah, <laughs> and pregnancy and you know what I've been through before with like miscarriage and stuff. It's just like, Oh, yeah. that'll be an interesting one to tackle, but we'll cross that bridge when we're there. <laughs> oh, right. Right. That's yeah. so hard to basically try to keep. Uh, yeah. I mean, because it's natural that you'll just be holding that anxiety. Like it's going to be a pocket of the pie chart, uh, mm-hmm. or a slice of the pie chart for a while, like probably until you have a kid, um, yeah. <laughs> which is shrug awful. emoji. Yeah. So Ugh. that's all crazy, but I am looking forward to getting back to work. Cause I think that's all it's been in some way, like, I think I'm going to miss things about <laughs> you're not having, cause like I'll have to get up at six, but it's like, I'm getting up at six anyway. So I'll, I'll miss or just being able to be in my stretchy pants or whatever. But I think it'll be really good for like 
it'll be a more productive routine and a more fulfilling one than what mm-hmm. I've had so far where it just sort of like day by day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying at the end of every day, have something that I can be proud of from that day. But mm-hmm. um, I think it'll be good to have sort of forced structure in yeah. my life because it's like, I've been try- I've tried to create it for myself and it's like, I think we probably talked about this at the beginning of quarantine, like I <laughs> made myself a schedule. I was going to relearn Spanish. I didn't. Lo siento. <laughs> um, it's like, I would try and schedule like myself within like a minute of the day. And it's like, that's not going to work girl. Yeah. So it's like, I've sort of, the thing I've been able to do, like the one healthy thing throughout all this is I've been able to like work out mm-hmm. like four or five times a week. And that I, I think part of it is just like, I have no control over fucking anything, but I can mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm not being calorie restrictive like I used to be, but I'm working out a lot. And so I actually do feel strong and it's like, I can feel that it's good for me. And mm-hmm. it is, I think it's sort of a routine I've created for myself um, because I can stick to it. And uh, I need some sort of semblance of a routine or realistic, realistic goals and yeah. That's one good thing. You've been doing that. Yeah. You've been really good about sticking to that. Um, you know, you you had found the thing that worked for you for the past like few years at this point, like maybe five years or something, yeah. like bar. I mean you've but like and you've kept it up while while in quarantine, which has been really impressive. It's Yeah. I fell I fell off the horse for a few weeks there, but I've been doing it since then you know because it also helps me I was feeling guilty about like eating when I wasn't working out and so I've just sort of arrived at a place where it's like I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry and it's fine to have treats I'm just going to try to eat somewhat healthily and exercise you know as much as possible pretty much so maybe this will turn into a disorder later I don't know but right now it's healthy (laughs) no I mean what you're describing sounds like probably the healthiest version of like what um, nutritionists try to say, or at least like, in yeah. I don't know, like nutritional therapy of like, of intuitive eating, which is something that I'm not at right now, but like, that's the goal down the line. Um, we'll deal with later, but I do think that if you're doing some sort of regular exercise and then just like gen, gen generally like eating healthfully and monitoring, like just making sure you're not like, you know, like overdoing it all the time. It's like, I think that's, that's kind of the goal unless you have dietary restrictions that are real. Um, yeah, totally. So there's, there's that. (laughs) That's good. That's, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's, uh, that's on the, on the flip side, that's the thing that I can be proud of from this year is, is, uh, being able to, like, I've cooked a lot more and I've, Mm -hmm. um, again, like probably this, I don't remember at what point we've talked about this, but I've done the keto diet, um, this year. And I think that, you know, it has its ups and downs in terms of like, obviously everyone do your own research, but for me, it's been something that I've been able to sustain, um, for the full year. Um, I don't think it's a forever thing, but, um, it's certainly been able to help me get to a place, um, cause in 2019, I sort of hit a low, uh, in terms of not just not being happy with my body and, um, also just not really taking as seriously as I should that I, I, I found out that I have a, um, 
a borderline gluten intolerance, which at this point might be a full gluten intolerance. Who knows? Yeah. Like, but I found that out in 2016 and I kind of treated it as a joke. Like I jokingly said, I borderline pay attention to it. Um, <laughs> just like the only person who's losing from the like laugh all the way to, I don't know, like your sadness, Maria. I mean, I, so like, anyway, so feeling like I've been able to cook really yummy things and like just feel a lot happier about where I'm at. And I think that's certainly a benefit to not having a social life this year has been being able to just really stay on this, um, this plan, um, and sort of track, track what I'm eating and kind of just sort of just keep that downward trajectory going while also being mindful that there are, you know, there are downsides and you just have to make sure you're getting like good nutrients too. Um, yes. but anyway, so that's, that's definitely been something that like, I would say a pen, a pandemic habit, um, or like thing that's really been happening is like a lot of active cooking and baking. And I've done that sort of during the day when I feel like a little extra restless, it's like, okay, well, what do I have in the, what do I have in the apartment that I can like make? And even if it's a failure or I don't, you know, it doesn't end up really getting eaten. It's like, well, it's something that I just produced and um, I can kind of say I tried it or whatever. So I know that that's sort of like the sourdough starter of, of, (laughs) of the pandemic, but I do think that it's been really helpful. And I feel like I have a broader base of knowledge about cooking and what works for me and what's easy and worth it. Yeah. No, me too. That's definitely been a a Benny is more time, more time in the kitchen. <laughs> but it's fun. It's kind of empowering and it's fun and it's, you know, it's a, a buildable, it's such a buildable skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. And it's, you know, good for us for like, you know, all this just deciding to take care of our bodies. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, all this shit's happening around us. It's me. Here I am. I will take care of this physical container that I inhabit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not easy. No. Do anything. (laughs) Everything is hard. Um, I haven't read this book yet, but I, I, it's on my bedside table called, um, the body is not an apology. Um, I I know. So I've loved, I've loved, I've loved looking at the title and (laughs) like, um, I think I heard the author on I forget which podcast, probably Brené Brown, but um, yeah, I I have tried to think of my body in that way, at least the second half of this year, because I think we're, a lot of us are our own harshest critics. We're always looking at the flaws, for the flaws, focusing on the flaws. Um, For myself, like the second half of this year, I've been like kind of bummed that I hit a plateau because I was seeing like market progress and then it's just naturally you hit plateaus. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Um, and also if I stayed where I'm at forever, this would be okay, you know, and like just trying to be kind and gentle to ourselves, like in these, especially when we're just, we're trying to tend to our bodies, but also our minds, like trying to calm them, quiet them, assuage them. Yeah. Uh, like thinking like the body is not an apology. I don't have to yeah. apologize. No, I love that. And just the idea of like trying to speak to yourself with the Yas queen enthusiasm you would to like a friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and mean it, which I think is probably a lifelong practice, but got to start somewhere, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's like talking about these things too, um, again, like to just shamelessly reference Brene Brown again, but like there's, it's in speaking about the things that feel like the are the things that we most don't want to talk about. It brings them into the light. And as like Brene Brown says, like shame can't exist in the light. It's like speaking about them demystifies the problem. Whereas just not just keeps, it just is this like shadow problem that is like always there. You're not really talking about it because you don't want to acknowledge it. Um, And that's kind of, uh, I think that's a lot of the stuff that's just, but we've been, we've all been sitting with in the pandemic, like just that cloud. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I think part of it has to do with just like how it can be hard sometimes to name exactly what's going on or where your shape's coming. I think some things are, are simpler for us to identify, but I think when we're just feeling shitty and it's harder to articulate. We have a tendency to kind of blame ourselves, like snap out of it. Or it's just like, we're in a fucking global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it could be, it could be worse. You know, I, we're both lucky in that we have places to live. We have family who loves us. We have supportive friends. We have, you know, support systems and networks, but even with all that being said, it's been a tough fucking year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, practicing compassion with ourselves is is important when we can. Um, and just take it day by day as much as possible while still hoping for a bright future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to touch on, baby? I don't think so. I think we uh, covered some of the big, I mean those are the big things there's like a lot of like I don't know I think weird little little things but they all fall under that those like bigger umbrellas for sure skis well great yeah well you guys are no one you're not alone in your weird little things and your weird little fifis they're not weird they're actually incredibly normal (laughs) they're very normal yeah and I've definitely like binged things and gone down weird like YouTube holes and like weird internet searches and just yeah that's definitely happened for sure yeah like online window shopping um which a friend of yours texted me about recently. So I've been doing this for a long time, but there's been a resurgence. <laughs> it's like the need to nest in this pandemic when you're just in your home and then like not having money and then just like cart, 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 cart. Yeah. Um, but hey, mama's going to be buying shit soon. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. I'm excited. Stitch fix. <laughs> on fleek <laughs> yeah maybe i'll be like hey send me a box <laughs> send me a box every month oh my god oh my goodness that's a little crazy that's wild <laughs> i love it <sighs> all right and now for we see you all righty uh, democratic congresswoman from hawaii and former democratic presidential candidate and generally confusing human being tulsi gabbard who has a past that is checkered at best when it comes to lgbtq rights uh, introduced legislation to the house on thursday this legislation would prohibit schools from receiving federal funding if they allow transgender girls and non-binary people to play sports on teams consistent with their gender identity 
Okay. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard said that Title IX is being weakened by some states who are misinterpreting the title, creating uncertainty, undue hardship, and lost opportunities for female athletes. She says our legislation protects Title IX's original intent, which was based on the general biological distinction between men and women athletes based on sex. It is critical that the legacy of Title IX continues to ensure women and girls in sports have the opportunity to compete and excel on a level playing field. There's, we don't have definitive research supporting her claim and many people's claims that transgender girls and women have a distinct edge over cisgender girls and women in sports. We just because people think that should be true doesn't mean it is. Um, and when you exclude women and girls who are trans, it hurts all girls and women. Um, as the ACLU points out, it invites gender policing that could subject any woman to invasive tests or accusations of being too masculine or too good at their sport to be a real woman. Mm-hmm. Real and huge quote marks, obviously. Um, and in Idaho, the ACLU represents two women, young women, one trans and one cis, both of whom are hurt by the law that was passed targeting trans athletes there. Um, and guess what? Trans athletes vary in athletic ability, just like cisgender athletes. Um, Andrea Yearwood, who's an ACLU client and a student athlete, pointed out one high jumper could be taller and have longer legs than another, but the other could have perfect form and then do better. One sprinter could have parents who spend so much money on personal training for their child, which in turn cause that child to run faster, she adds, which is all very good points. Like, where do you draw the line? <laughs> if everyone has to be exactly equal physically, then you could only have leagues of one person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and in Connecticut, where cisgender girl runners have tried to block Andrea from participating in, in running, which she loves, those very same cis girls who claimed that trans athletes have an unfair advantage have actually performed as well or better than their transgender competitors throughout this. So there's one real life example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course... Um, most importantly, uh, students who are trans experience negative impacts on their emotional and potentially physical well-being when you think about suicide rates, when they're being pushed out of spaces and communities that affirm their gender identity. So really, there's no moral or scientific reason to do this, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, this change, making this change would benefit only bigotry. Stop mm-hmm. clutching your pearls and acting like it's about protecting kids because it is not. We see you. We see you. So frustrating. frustrating. Let them play. Like, God, I feel like this shit's always cropping up. Yeah, it really is. It feels like this is going to be just an ongoing um, red meat culture war type thing um, for like the next decade or something. It's so exhausting. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to discuss, um, Johnny Depp (laughs) (laughs) because rumors had been brewing for a while, at least four years, um, at least since 2016, that he's been physically and verbally abusive to, um, actress and activist Amber Heard. Um, and given how beloved he still is in the U S and internationally and how unclear I, I was until recently of his behavior, I think I, I was aware that there had been these ongoing allegations, but it just has always kind of been in the back of my mind. And then last month, there was a damning ruling in the UK brought on by Johnny Depp himself because he was the one who sued uh, the UK newspapers for libel, specifically the the, the Sun, um, for calling for running an article which called him a uh, wife beater. Well, 
So Johnny Depp sued the Sun, and um, Justice Andrew Nichols had a 132-page ruling on this, these defamation claims, um, essentially uh, clearly ruling. And it's harder to rule this in the UK. Um, it's easier to sue for libel in the UK, basically, but um, ruling that it was accurate to describe uh, Johnny Depp as a wife beater, and that there were um, that it, it was. Uh, provable, basically, that he had been abusing Amber Heard. Um, so I was reading an article, you know, an article about this. I think it was the, um, the Hollywood Reporter um, has like a big expose on on a lot of his bad behavior. Uh, and uh, some of the allegations include that um, he violently attacked her, um, threw a phone at her face with extreme force. Um, other incidents of domestic violence came up and um, Amber Heard had said that she endured, quote, excessive emotional, verbal and physical abuse and, quote, angry, hostile, humiliating and threatening assaults. So um, it's this libel case that came up in the UK um, exposed a whole lot of uh, really embarrassing details for Johnny Depp and some really grotesque uh, text messages that he sent about Amber Heard. Um, I am just going to read a couple of them because I think that it's important for us to hear them and like understand that he's just like, just how gross and bad he is at this point. Um, so that we can kind of all put him behind us and stop mourning the loss of, of him in, in Hollywood right now. So um, a text from uh, Johnny Depp to his CAA agent, Christian Carino, um, who previously also represented Amber Heard. He said, Heard, quote, Johnny Depp said, quote, Heard is begging for total global humiliation. She's going to get it. I'm going to need your texts about San Francisco, brother. Sorry, I'm sorry to even ask, but she sucked Elon Musk's crooked dick and gave her some shitty, and he gave her some shitty lawyers. I have no mercy, no fear, and not an ounce of emotion or what I thought was once love for this gold digging, low level, dime a dozen, mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, flappy fish market. I'm so fucking happy she wants to fight this out. She hit the wall hard. And I cannot wait to have this waste of a cum guzzler out of my life. I met fucking sublime, a, fluff, a fucking sublime little Russian here, which makes me realize the time I blew on that 50 cent stripper, I wouldn't touch her with a goddamn glove. Whew. Wow. Um, nice guy. Yeah. Another one, he was texting actor Paul Bettany, another actor who I like, but I'm like, oh, this, ooh. Um, so Johnny Depp wrote, let's burn Amber exclamation points, to which Bettany, who, the Hollywood reporter, you know, it, it seems like he took it as a joke, responds, quote, having thought it through, I don't think we should burn Amber. She's delightful company and easy on the eyes. Plus, I'm not sure she's a witch. We could, of course, try the English course of action in these predicaments. We do a drowning test, thoughts, which is like, mm, even as a joke, if you're texting Johnny Depp at this point, that makes me think yeah. less of, jo of Paul Bettany. Um, so Depp responds, let's drown her before, before we burn her. I will fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she's dead. Okay. Mm. Great. Um, so in addition to lots of sort of disgusting quotes like this, um, in the UK trial, a lot of um, drug references came up. Cocaine, alcohol, Xanax, Adderall, um, Roxycodone, magic mushrooms, and ecstasy. Um, there was even uh, an incident where um, Johnny Depp, like, 
cut his finger in a really bad sliced sliced off his finger and had to be flown back to LA for surgery while filming the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean. And the production was forced to shut down for two weeks, costing the studio some $350,000 a day. Um, and so Justice Nickel ended up ruling, um, quote, I have found that the great majority of alleged assaults of Miss Heard by Mr. Depp have been proved to the civil standard. I also accept that Miss Heard's allegations have had a negative uh, effect on her career and also as an actor and activist. Um, and the judge also refused permission for Johnny Depp to appeal this uh, decision. So um, this is all a lot of bad news for Johnny Depp, um, but I really felt like it was time to just sort of face it head on. I ha This had just been very much like a news item in the back of my mind for a while, like what's happening. And I do feel like there've been a couple of articles that are trying to cast Amber Heard more as like the, uh, you know, opportunistic shrew. Um, she has actually been an activist against domestic violence and a UN ambassador, I believe, for a while now. Um, and so there was a lot on the line for her um, in this libel suit, um, even though she had nothing to do with it. But it's like, she there's a lot on the line for her and for the judge to have so decisively ruled against Johnny Depp. Um, I mean, it's just pretty indicative of his character. And uh, I think that uh, at this point we can say we're done. Uh, we see you. We are done. Um, speaking of men like that, um, singer FKA Twigs has filed a lawsuit against actor Shia LaBeouf, accusing him of sexual battery, physical assault, and emotional distress over the course of their year-long relationship, including purposefully giving her a sexually transmitted disease. Whoa. Um, yeah. Twigs came forward to the New York Times and said she did so because despite everything she has, money and fame, strong support system, it's still happened to her and it can happen to anyone. And she wanted people to be aware of how abusers operate. Um, just some of what was reported from the Times uh, to paint a, an awful picture included that just after Valentine's Day in 2019, um, she was in a car speeding toward Los Angeles and Shia LaBeouf was driving. He was driving recle recklessly, removing his seatbelt and threatening to crash unless she professed her love for him. They were returning from a trip to the desert where allegedly he had raged at her throughout the trip, once waking her up in the middle of the night, choking her after she begged to be let out of the car. She said he pulled over at a gas station and she took her bags from the trunk, but he followed her, assaulted her, throwing her against the car while screaming in her face and then forced her back into it, the car. Um, that's just one of the accounts of abuse she says after being incredibly romantic and kind when they first started dating which is typical of abusers he uh, worked to separate her from her family and friends she says he would squeeze or grab her to the point of bruising he wouldn't let her make eye contact or talk to male wait staff mm. he had rules about how many times a day she had to kiss and touch him and he locked her in a room when she tried to leave at one point. <laughs> she did not go to the police first out of concern about harming her career and later because she thought her account would not be taken seriously. Uh, the lawsuit brought forth also cites an incident by another former girlfriend of Shia LaBeouf named Carolyn Foe. Um, she dated LaBeouf for two years, uh, 2010 to 2012. Um, among other things, LaBeouf drunkenly pinned her to a bed and headbutted her enough that she bled. Oh. He head-butted her enough that she bled. The head is not a sharp object, so there has to be a lot of force there. Um, and these two aren't the first allegations to be made against Shia LaBeouf. In 2015, the German media reported that he injured his then-girlfriend, actress and model Mia Goth, 
during a fight and she was seen with black eye the next day. Um, in addition to the reports of intimate partner abuse and various arrests over the years, there was one incident when he was drunk and made a racist remark against a black police officer. Hmm. Yep. In terms of apologies, uh, Shia wrote, I'm not in any position to tell anyone how my behavior made them feel. I have no excuses for my alcoholism or aggression, only rationalizations. I've been abusive to myself and everyone around me for years. I have a history of hurting the people closest to me. I'm ashamed of that history and sorry to those I hurt. There's nothing else I can really say, but he had more to say. He said that many of these allegations are not true, but that his accusers deserve the opportunity to air their statements publicly and that he must accept accountability for his actions. So, he acknowledged his abuse to himself first, which is a touch narcissistic, and then goes on to say that many of these allegations are not true as a vague way to discredit the women he abused while still seeming like he's taking some ownership. It's like he tried to say enough of the right thing to appear credible, but his words taken all together don't paint the picture of someone who understands what he did. I truly hope that he is in recovery and doesn't harm people going forward, but he'll need to realize that alcohol abuse is a catalyst and not a root cause or get mm-hmm. out of jail free card. For so long, he's gotten a free pass. He's been written off as a creative genius, a troubled artist, kind of like Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Can we stop, for the love of God, romanticizing bad boys or you know the troubled artists who can get away with anything if it's for their art or if they're method actors? Shia LaBeouf is right about one thing. There's no excuse for his behavior. We see you. We see you. Ugh, that one. That one's a real disappointment. Uh, loved him since even Stevens. Really yeah. hate to see it. <laughs> hate to see it. Hate to see it. Bummer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm. Oh, and you had a fun, fun, fun joke. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, something about him digging holes for himself. <laughs> <laughs> the movie holes. Got it. Um, yeah. So that was a little uh, bonus. <laughs> bonus nugget for everyone. Bonus nugget. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got, I hope he gets the shit together, but he's, yeah. he's, he's been, sounds like he's been abusing women for years and years and years and just kind of people being like, ah, that's Shia. He's just a little wacky, you know? Yeah. And I haven't seen his movie, Honey Boy, which I, I did want to see and I probably still will watch it. But um, yeah. like it does seem like he, his dad sort of verbally at least abused him when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I hope that he's getting I hope that he gets help and ultimately mm-hmm. takes responsibility. But there just seems to be enough violent infractions at this point and just like character issues that like, you know, he needs he needs a break to take, he needs to take response, full responsibility. And I don't know that you can ever really like make up for headbutting someone and causing them to bleed, but uh, maybe try, try harder. Yeah. And like keeping your girlfriend under house arrest, not letting her go back to see her family. Yeah. All kinds of just like classic abusive, abusive behaviors. So it's, that's a, it's tough to see. And I hope that I wish healing to all the women who he, hurt yeah. as well as him but mostly them <laughs> mostly them it does also seem like the beginning of yeah the, the r kelly documentary like his wife talks so poignantly about just always wanting to get him back to the man that she met you know and i think that's mm-hmm. so sad and even if you're not necessarily in like an explicitly abusive relationship just there's always like this idea that you can get back to the first person like that first mm-hmm. personality and like that's the whole thing yeah, yeah all the bet when you had your little rose-colored glasses on yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, Repub- Republican and Representative uh, Dan Crenshaw from Texas. Um, uh, so this guy, um, there's been an investigation from the uh, independent government watchdog that oversees the Department of Veterans Affairs, and they concluded this past week that uh, Dan Crenshaw was involved in an orchestrated campaign by VA Secretary Robert, Robert Wilkie to disparage the reputation of a female veteran who alleges she was sexually assaulted at a VA facility. The report is 68 pages. Um, and three witnesses say that Wilkie informed them that Dan Crenshaw gave information about the female veteran that could erode her credibility. Crenshaw is a former Navy SEAL, um, and he served in the same unit as this female veteran. It just seems like he didn't really like her. Um, and the report, uh, in addition to suggesting that this member of Congress, Dan Crenshaw, funneled uh, harmful and false information to the VA secretary. Um, He also, in an effort to discredit her, um, her allegations, um, it also details the VA's improper improper handling of um, the incident. And of course, Crenshaw denies this, but also says that he won't um, cooperate with the in any any ongoing investigation um it's a pretty um just disgust it's a pretty disgusting report um and a misogynistic attack on um another navy former navy seal female veteran um and also an ethic you know just violations of ethics um and dan crenshaw who's you might remember him because he is the um conservative congressman who went on SNL after Pete Davidson made fun of him and he's the one who wears an eye patch um, and he basically had that opportunity to kind of normalize himself in the moment uh, with SNL and Pete Davidson apologized for making fun of him um, but this guy he, he he's he's really um, he's kind of an extremist as far as um, GOP congressmen go, which is saying something. And it's also worth noting that his, his district in Texas, I think it's Texas's 10th district is extraordinarily gerrymandered. So essentially he represents what seems pretty obvious to me as like a white, the white suburbs around Houston. Um, It's a horseshoe where there's like, where it's not really the city. It's like just, um, I just encourage you to look it up. It's a, it's a horseshoe around the city. Um, and one would imagine that perhaps if things were redistricted in a way that made any sense, he wouldn't. it wouldn't be possible for uh, someone like him to get uh, elected. But I just um, was pretty grossed out by these... Uh, this these accusations of um one navy seal against another navy seal and the va's poor handling of the situation and the va secretary's willingness to engage in this disparagement um of another female veteran um who was who alleges that she was sexually assaulted at a va facility um robert wilkie could be his own the va secretary robert wilkie could be his own we see you um but I'm just going to focus on the elected representative, Dan Crenshaw, today. So just a, a big old, we see you, dude. Oh, awful. Yeah. And now for a good thing. Let's talk about mice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
So um, a researcher, researchers at Harvard have successfully restored vision loss and reversed glaucoma-induced damage in mice, um, which is very exciting. They achieve that through um, expressing certain transcription factors or proteins that turn genes on and off. Um, and so in addition to this being great for the blind mice who are no longer blind, um, there are potentially ramifications for humans um, and sort of aging related degenerations. Um, obviously mm -hmm. people in mice are very different, but there are, there are some promising things here. So yay for the mice, yay for maybe us in the future, yay for yeah. science. Yeah, science. Huzzah. Oh, science and facts. <laughs> Love, Very Love to see it. Love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, all right. All righty, babies. Well, hope everyone has a blessed time and uh, next week we'll be talking naughty and nice 2020 who made the cut <laughs> yeah so let us know you can email us um, if you have someone you'd like to nominate uh, for a naughty or nice um, in the public sector you know just generally not like your neighbor yeah. or something yeah. although Unless you know if something wacky happened let us know maybe <laughs> yeah maybe your neighbor is qualified who knows <laughs> maybe uh, but yeah we're at feminist without mystique at gmail.com where fwm podcast um on twitter and at, uh <laughs> at feminist without mystique on instagram and i, I think what is it facebook.com slash fwm podcast yeah so and find us i think the number the number to call oh, sorry is my cat really is <laughs> <laughs> um, call me <laughs> <laughs> um you can call us at 206-347-9330 that's 206-347-9330 um and yeah that's uh yeah so let us know and Stop